Hello everyone, I'm Corey and we're talking manpower. Today, I've got a very special guest. I've got Mr. Jim Davis. He's the chief of the manpower and management division here at US Army Europe in Wiesbaden, Germany. Mr. Davis, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Of course. So what is your role as the chief of manpower and management here at USER? Um, I have a couple of roles. Uh, the first one, um, as you said, we're the manpower and management division of USER. So, from a headquarters perspective, I do manpower management uh, just pretty much like everybody else does it for the headquarters civilians. Uh, but then I have the management division piece of it that adds the resource management flavor working for the director of resource management that makes sense. We do MICP, we do cost management, we do cost benefit analysis, uh, we do the manpower studies for the entire community. Uh, and then we also do the programming and allocation for uh, the entire command as well for the civilian resources, uh, working very closely with FMD. We also have a shared responsibility with submitting the uh, TDA manpower requirements and the, the POM for military as well. So you just talked a little bit about what you're responsible for and whatnot. So I understand that, that this organization, your branch, is the only studies capability in the command, I understand. And why is it important for the command to have that capability, and, and what's it like for you to be the only one here that does that? Right. So we are the only studies capability, albeit a small studies capability for the command. Uh, and it keeps our requirements validation, our requirements prioritizing on track, having a theater level emphasis uh, as well. Without that capacity, we would have to rely on USMA to come over, uh, adds the cost, doesn't have the flavor of the theater. Um, it, it requires us to coordinate uh, extremely close with our FMD counterparts at our two subordinate commands, uh, the 7th Air Army Training Command and the 21st Theater Sustainment Command. So, why, explain to me why is it important to do manpower here and, and here in Europe, per se? Why, why, why is it a necessity thing? Why can't we just do it all at headquarters? Right. So, um, in Europe, Europe that many folks knew uh, when I came in in the late 70s, early 80s, Europe consisted of England, Italy, and West Germany. Europe now consists of everything from the Baltics to the Black Sea and all the countries in between. Without really being here, without seeing it and experiencing it, you don't get the same sense that when you're doing manpower requirements validation for moving ammunition uh, to an exercise. It's one thing to move it 400 miles and you go from Texas to Oklahoma. Of course, you got safety things, you know, DOT, those kinds of things. Here, when you do that and you move it 400 miles, you move across four international borders. So the complexity of the mission in Europe is such that you really have to have on the ground situational knowledge of all the intricacies involved. Not only are you moving it across the international borders, but often the exercises are bilateral or multinational or even coalition.
volition type exercises at the same time. All of that lends itself to a perspective that you would not get sitting in Washington, D.C., or Fort Bliss, or Fort Bragg. So that, that leads me a little bit to another question. Let's say we're transporting ammunition across international borders. How difficult is it to deal with the different cultures and the different languages because obviously we're speaking English but we're in Germany they speak German and, and you're moving to Poland and they're speaking Polish and how is how is that difficult is that difficult to navigate and then how do you kind of get around that and who do you kind of lean on? Do you have people in your shop that can kind of do that kind of thing? Sure. So to answer some of that is English is one of the primary languages of the EU. So the majority ninety plus percent speak English uh, either as a first or a second language. So language barrier is not usually the problem. Usually it's going to be cultural or nationalistic uh, in the fact that when you're going from Estonia to Latvia, you need to recognize that that is a unique country. Uh, but internal to my office, that's more on the operational side, internal to my office, We've run into challenges because we have local national employees with very different um, work rules than U.S. employees have. So when you're talking about a German employee, we have to follow host nation labor practices, um, which is far different. It takes 650 days to execute a RIF of a German national employee where it takes under 180 days for a U.S. employee. But there are different notification protocols that go with that, etc. And then you talk about Italy, it's a totally different setup. And you go to uh, Romania, where we, we don't have a host nation program right now, but we're trying to establish one. And then even the, to further make that complex, it depends on really who's going to be the lead service in that command as well. So we're, we're the lead command of the Army for Germany. So the Air Force and the Navy with German employees have to follow our negotiated tariff agreements, uh, which is really a labor union agreement. Well, everyone, that's all we have time for right now. Our conversation with Mr. Davis will continue in the next couple days, so be on the lookout for it on our Facebook, Divids, and podcast channels. And until then, have a great Army day.